Hi, welcome to the Mama Advocate Podcast. This is a safe place for adoptive and special needs mamas to feel less alone and find community amidst their unconventional journeys. Here, you're going to find authentic conversations for me and my guests who are parenting fully in the weeds with you. Our goal is to empower and encourage you to be the best mama you can be as you advocate for your people. Hey, Sandra, I'm so glad that you're here with me today. Would you mind kind of introducing yourself and all of your expertise in this lovely area that we're going to be talking about? Sure. I'm really excited to join you. So I'm Sandra Peoples, and my family and I live outside of Houston, and I serve our church as the uh, inclusion coordinator for special needs families. And then I also have a role within our state convention, the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. So for them, I serve as a ministry consultant to any of our churches that want to start special needs ministries or strengthen the special needs ministries that they have. So um, our, I have a sister with Down syndrome and a son with autism. And so the churches that I've been a part of kind of my whole life <laughs> have had to be welcoming and accommodating. And so when we got James's diagnosis 10 years ago, it really became a passion of mine to make sure that he was well taken care of at our church and that other families like ours would feel welcome and comfortable. And so it just has grown and grown from helping my church in Pennsylvania at the time and then our church here in Texas now, and then just as many churches as I can. I love that so much because I really think that the, the center of everything is Christ loving the least of these. And that's what the church is for. Yeah. And I just think what you're doing is so amazing and wonderful. Um, I would love to chat with you about families searching for churches and kind of what they should be looking for as they have a special needs kid. And like it, it, it's hard for them to even fathom going and dropping them off somewhere or doing something without their child. Yeah, it's really hard. And, and I don't know that parents of only typical kids realize that we can't just do that. We can't just pull up to a new church one Sunday and, hop in, hop out of the car and sign whatever form and then leave our kids. We just, like even the thought of that is so scary to us. And so when I'm talking to families and they're going to a church for the first time, you know, you, you almost, you have to let that church know that you're coming. So you may be looking at their website and figuring out if they have a special needs ministry already. A lot of them do and it's on their website and they have forms you can fill out before you even get there. Uh, if you don't see that, you can call the children's minister or the youth minister ahead of time and say, hi, my family and I would like to come on Sunday and, and we have a kid who has some extra needs or here's the disability that we have. And, and so we wanted to give you a heads up and see what we could do to help you help our son or daughter be comfortable. And so what do you offer and what should we expect and who should we talk to? You know, those are some of the questions that we can ask. And I mean, this is when you're looking for a church home, this is where you start. But even if you're like visiting family, you're on vacation and you just want to go to a church for just to visit one week. Um, these are all steps that we take to make sure that the church is a good fit for us and that they're prepared when we walk in the door. I think that's a good point about visiting. I've never thought of that before. Um, we just often don't go because it seems like too much, but we could actually call and make a request, couldn't we? Yeah. Um, I love that. What other things, like, so somebody's already involved in a church and they're kind of, so with our buddies, they were fine, like in that smaller years, right? But now yeah. that um, 
they're growing up, the delay is just getting so much more vast. Yeah. What are things that we can go and ask for accommodation wise, where you're like a church should be willing to do that? And if not, you need to run. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good question. I mean, like, like I mentioned when I introduced myself, my sister has Down syndrome. So she's 43. And so the church that we grew up in, they wouldn't have said we have a special needs ministry, right? But they welcomed our family. They made accommodations for my sister and for other kids with disabilities. And so, so we're talking, you know, back in the 80s, churches were starting to do some things that make accommodations. So now, like I can speak specifically to our state, just because that's what I have the, some of the research on. And so I looked at the biggest churches in Texas, and more than half of them have some kind of special needs ministry on their website. So, so they already take some steps. Now, that doesn't mean the others don't take any, and that doesn't mean that you couldn't find a medium or a small church. Like, my church is in a small town, and we're kind of a medium-sized church, and we have a great ministry. But as far as ministries go in most churches, you have, you have the buddy system that a lot of churches do. You have sensory rooms or you have a hybrid of both. And so there's some churches that you go to and they may say, well, we have a sensory room and your kiddo is gonna have a great time in here and we modified the lesson and they're, they're gonna, it's an environment that's super comfortable for them and we can't wait to have them in our sensory classrooms or you know whatever kind of special needs ministry, whatever title they have for their classrooms. And then other churches you may call with the same kid and say, here's what I have. And they'll say, great, your kiddo is going to be with our regular fifth graders. And we have this trained either teenager or adult buddy who's going to be with them the whole time and make sure that they are safe and make sure they're having a good time, that they understand the lesson. We'll make some modifications. And then like for us, our church, we do both. So we have some buddies, we have some kids in the sensory room, some teenage, we, we have a class that's launching this year for our teenagers and young adults and so that's very much focused for like my son James who has level three autism so that's an environment where he's the most comfortable it causes him a lot of anxiety to be around a lot of noise and a lot of lights and a lot of things happening and so he's more comfortable in what we call our sensory classes and so if you're looking for a church, you know, that's a question you can ask. Do you have sensory rooms? Do you use buddies? Do you do both? Um, and do I get input on whether my child is more comfortable in a sensory room or with a buddy? Or, you know, like, can we try both out? Can we see what fits? Can we just make accommodations specifically for our kid? Or is there just one answer you know, is there only one option and one answer for all of the kids who kind of fall under the special needs category? I love the trying both and seeing what fits best. Yeah. That's really, really brilliant of you, Sandra. <laughs> um, okay. So what about those families that are kind of homebound with their kiddo and like either one parent's going and one parent's staying? What, what are your thoughts feelings, emotions, all of the things about how they can still be fed spiritually um, while they're caring for, for someone at home? Yeah, that's a great question. And I mean, we, we usually talk about COVID times in negative terms, but this is kind of a positive of COVID times because churches figured out how to do virtual church and how to reach out to people who either can't get out or like aren't comfortable getting out. 
And so the church was so creative <laughs> during that COVID season, right? And, and they learned how to minister to families at home. And so most churches are keeping that up, at least in some ways, where they're still streaming online or they're sending lessons home in emails that parents can do with their kiddos if they're still homebound. And, and so really, I mean, it's been awesome to see how churches have been so creative and and have better communication because now they they better can empathize with the families who have been stuck at home, right? Because now everybody has had this season of being stuck at home. And so now they can say, well, I remember how that felt. I remember what I missed out on when I missed my time at church. And so they're taking more responsibility and saying, I've, I don't want this family to continue to feel what I felt during the COVID season. And so they're able to do more. Um, and you know, like there's lots of online options now for great Facebook groups and churches have parent support groups that can meet together. And I mean, there's just so many options now that didn't even exist, you know, a year and a half ago, much less, you know, 10 years ago yeah. when we got my son's diagnosis and we were looking for community. So would you recommend kind of staying with a church in your local area in that, in I that think case, just yeah. to foster that? Yeah, I'm a pastor's wife though. So of course I'm a big fan of the local <laughs> church and the, you, you know, like, like going where you can build relationships and, and have community, like somewhere that when your kid has a surgery, somebody's bringing dinner over, you know, those kind of things. Like our church, one of the things that we're implementing is like a family care plan. And so all of the families in our special needs ministry, we have like an information sheet on them. And so it has who they are, how to contact them, who's in their like inner circle for lack of a better word, but who, who's going to know what's going on with this family that can communicate so that like if something happens in my family, I'm not getting 20 people texting me. All those, anybody who needs the information is texting like my contact person. And then, and then that information sheet has things that we like, like James loves Little Caesar's pizza. <laughs> and so that information's on this sheet so that whoever is helping to care for my family during a crisis, they already know that. And so they can say, you know, they don't have to, I, and I know you've experienced this too, like in a crisis situation, when somebody says, let me know what I can do, we have no idea <laughs> yeah. because we're just, it, it's decision fatigue and we've had to make all these decisions and, and we, we don't even know what to tell you. We don't know what you want to do. And so like this family care plan that we're having is all that's already answered. So James loves orange pizza. So if you, if you want to offer dinner, then the best thing is to say, Hey, can I pick up a, he calls little Caesar's pizza, orange pizza. I, it's that. I think that's so cute. <laughs> and so like, so they can just drop that off. Hey, we're having, you know, we're picking up pizza for our family. Can we drop one off for James? And so it just, it helps decrease kind of in a crisis situation, the stress of, having to make too many decisions and, and even manage the care that people are providing. And so, you know, if you're connected to only online church or only these online places, it's just harder to show up in person and really feel that connection to people. Yeah. We can I ask one more question? Yeah. Thinking about um, just mamas who may even have a church, but kind of feel that isolated like I'm, I'm doing this alone and I'm really struggling and I 
want the church to help and I feel like they should be helping, but I, I don't even know how to, like, they don't have this system in place and who would you recommend contacting and how would you recommend kind of stating your needs of, Hey, we're really struggling. I don't know. Can we have a liaison from the church? Like, what would that look like? I'm not trying to tell you exactly what you should say, but no, I think that's really like, I, I think we even see a model for that in Acts. And so there was a group of, of widows that were, they weren't getting their, they thought they were missing out on the food distribution. And so they go to the apostles and then the apostles create the deacons. And so the deacons in this, in Acts, and so we see that model, right? So we see a group saying, man, like we're feeling neglected and, and we don't know who to go to. And then the church creates this group that says, okay, this is the group that's going to meet practical needs. And that's different in different churches and different denominations and how they kind of do things. So like if it were me and I had kids in the children's ministry, that's probably where I would start. I would call the children's minister and, and say, hey, you know, here's, I know you know my kids, you've been around us. And, and let me just tell you a little bit more about what life is like in our family, maybe invite the children's minister over to your house so they can see what life is like for you and stop. You, and we know this is like on Sunday morning, how are you? And we say, I'm fine. Well, stop saying you're fine <laughs> if you're not fine. And really yeah. like, like be vulnerable enough to build connections with other people. And so, you know, that for some of us, that starts with the children's ministry because at least that person knows our kids or, um, you know, the women, I help with our women's ministry and I've connected during COVID. I had our women's ministry leadership team write notes to all of our families, our special needs families, because they were home. And my hope was that when COVID was over and those families all came back, then then a, a woman on the women's ministry team would know these families because she'd been praying for them and writing these notes to them. And, and so, I mean, like, the first step is really praying and, and asking God to help show you who would be a good advocate for you, who would, who would be empathetic and, and listen and understand your needs and somebody that you trust and that you can be vulnerable with and grow that relationship and then, and then let that person go through the channels that they need to, whether that's like a deacon board or mercy ministries or kind of just the different things that different churches have. I love that. You're so wise. <laughs> well, it's lots of practice, right? Like we just, yeah, yeah. you know, like families like us, we, we, we don't give up and we just figure it out. Going and, and then, and every step we take makes it easier for the people who come behind us. So every, every church that I've gone to and started a new special needs ministry, then I just think of all the churches that are, I mean, all the families that are coming behind me and, and they don't have to fight that battle and I hate to call it a battle but like I've made the way easier for them just like my mom made the way easier for moms like us when they had school system fights and IEP discussions and all those those battles were fought decades ago so that we wouldn't have to fight quite as many and so that's what keeps me going (laughs) when it's hard to say and then I just think nope some of this is Everything I do means one less thing for the next family to have to do. Yes. And to protect, I, I feel like there's just so much, and I might be putting this on a lot of people that don't deserve it, but I've met several mamas that have been really hurt by just the way the church has 
treated them or not treated them or missed expectations, not like outright cruel, but just missed expectations where they take it really personally and, and they're hurt. And so I'm, I'm grateful for the work that you're doing. Yeah. Well, and I and love the idea of like finding someone specific, like in children's ministry or something like that. Cause I think that if I were to go to my pastor, he'd be like, well, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. And in the kindest way possible, but that's just not where his giftings are, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I do believe that God goes ahead of us and he paves the way and we're just taking those steps in faith. And so instead of me feeling like, you know, I'm doing this all on my own, I just feel like, no, I'm taking the next step that God has already laid out. And so he is preparing these hearts to be receptive to my request. And so I'm going to go into that, assuming the best, assuming that, that they're going to be favorable and they're going to and, and if not, I mean, you and I, we hear from parents who go to churches and they've said, don't come back here. Your kid is too loud. We can't deal with this. It's too much. And that's really, it's hard to separate that from like saying that the church hurt you. It's the people in a church, not God and not, I mean, that's not his heart for you or your family. If you Amen. Amen. Yeah, so that is not what I was trying to communicate at all. So thank you for yeah, you know, that. and even I mean, as a pastor's wife, even apart from being a disability mom, like I've been hurt by the church. I mean, we all have these wounds, but I also feel like God uses churches to heal us mm -hmm. from the hurts that that other people have inflicted, and so we just have to keep looking for a place that feels like home. And and the good news is, there's more and more churches like that every year because more and more churches are understanding the need to serve our community. And, and, you know, like the, according to the last census, one in five families in the U S has a member with a disability from like autism to Alzheimer's, you know, like the whole gamut. And so if you're talking about 20% of the population and you're turning away as a church, you're turning away 20% of the population that that's not, sustainable and that's not what god wants for his church mm -mm. yeah i feel like that would just crush his heart yeah i agree i mean we see like i, I mean you know i don't want to get too preachy <laughs> but we see this in scripture we see like the parable of the large banquet in luke and and the they invite all the friends and the friends have excuses and then the the master says, well, go out and inv invite the blind and the lame and, and all these people who normally wouldn't be included. And then he says, the servant says, I've done that and still there's room. And so what that communicates to me is when we make room for families like ours to sit at the table and to be a part of the community, that makes more room for everybody. <laughs> because if they can meet the needs of our family, they can meet anybody's needs. And so it's, building a bigger table it's inviting more of us in it's it's creating this community that is at the heart of what G I mean the heart of Jesus's miracles weren't just to heal the person suffering but to restore them to the community of faith because if somebody had leprosy or had an issue with bleeding it wasn't they were outcasts right like they couldn't come into the temple they couldn't be around other people and so when Jesus healed them they were restored not only to health, but to community. And so even though we don't heal, obviously in the quite the same way Jesus did, we can 
restore people to community. We can do that as churches. And so, I mean, like, we can do what Jesus did very literally by saying, we're going to pull you into this community. You're part of our family and, and not leave them needy and outcast and, and at the mercy of the world who doesn't value them the way that God values them. Amen. I'm glad you got preachy. <laughs> Thank you. Beautiful. Okay. Well, Sandra, I'm so, so grateful. Would you mind telling everybody where they can find you? Sure, sure. So I'm at sandrapeoples.com. Pretty easy. I uh, I have different hats that I wear. Very mother, you know, like special needs mom hat, special needs ministry hat. Um, and so if somebody's interested a lot in the ministry part, I talk about that more on Twitter than I do like on Facebook and Instagram. And so then Instagram is kind of a mix of family and ministry. Um, and then I'm on Facebook as well. And so, and I love connecting and hearing what people are doing and how their families are finding community and what churches are doing to reach them. Cause we we're all learning from each other and being able to encourage each other. For sure. Would you mind also plugging your sweet little book up there? Sure. Yeah. And that, am I pointing to the right? Yeah, you are. Looks <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. So unexpected blessings came out a couple of years ago and it, the, the title is um, The Joys and Possibilities of Life in a Special Needs Family. And so it's really about the phases that we go through as special needs parents and how God has to work with us, especially in those early days when they feel hard. But then eventually he's guiding us to our purpose, like what, what our purpose was the whole time. You know, like I, I say, when I was five and 15 and 20, God knew that I would be James's mom. And so he already laid out the path and I can still walk in that path and accomplish all that he has for me to do, even as James's mom, which sometimes feels restrictive. Um, but to him, it's not. To him, this is every opportunity he has ever dreamt for my sanctification and my journey. So the book talks about, I mean, I talk a lot about my parents and the example they were to me and then other people that I know and just how God led me kind of through five phases of special needs parenting until I realized my purpose and, and just continue to live that out. I love that. It's a really good book. Yeah, so people need to <laughs> grab that too for some encouragement. All right, Sandra, thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so grateful. Have a great day. You too.